And church, as believers in Jesus, as recipients of life in Him, we have every reason to be thankful today. Communion is uh, a uh, thankful, symbolic remembrance of Christ and what He has done for us, providing salvation for us. Uh, Jesus came for the cross, and Jesus went to the cross. Uh, Jesus paid the price. Jesus uh, redeemed us. And Jesus rose from the grave. And Jesus will come again. Amen? He will come again. As we've been tracing this riveting story in God's Word through the Gospel of Mark, uh, suddenly we come to a shift in the story today. Prediction turns to preparation. The idea of the messianic secret uh, now becomes moments of self-disclosure. So as we look at the word together, we see that the time has come. The journey toward Jerusalem is ending. And even so, on the way, on this intentional journey where Jesus is going to accomplish a mission, even so, on the way, Jesus pauses, he stops, and he saves a roadside beggar. So let's look at this story together this morning from Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. And as you Find your place there in God's Word. Let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of His Word. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. The Scriptures read this way. Mark writes, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and His disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet And came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the truths truths that are found in it. Lord, we pray that you would guide us now by the presence and the power of your spirit and rightly discerning uh, what it is you have for us, that our lives might be forever shaped by the gospel. Lead us now, in Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, church, you may be seated. So this story continues. Jesus and the twelve have been to Jericho, roughly 15 miles or so northeast of Jerusalem. And now they have departed Jericho and they are headed to that religious center, to the city of Jericho. Jerusalem, where Jesus will fulfill his mission. We read here in the text that crowds have joined them on this journey. These are pilgrims who are also headed to Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover festival. And so the crowds are coming together, these crowds who seemingly don't know the significance of who it is who is among them, are next to disciples who are still struggling with the scope of Jesus' ministry, and yet a blind beggar, Bartimaeus. 
for our purposes this morning, we'll call him Bart. Bart speaks out, speaks up, and of all people, this man recognizes the significance of who is among them. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we don't really know how Bart knew about the identity of Jesus. We're not told in this story. We're not sure how this beggar, this blind beggar, some 60 plus miles south of where Jesus focused the majority of his ministry, knew of Jesus of Nazareth. But he speaks up and gives Jesus a significant title, a significant title in the scriptures when he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. In order for us to understand the significance of what he's saying, we need to have some context. And roughly 1,000 years before this, 1,000 years before the coming of Christ, the Lord spoke through the prophet Nathan to King David, recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11, with these words, The Lord declares to you, The Lord declares to you, David, that the Lord Himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish His kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. So here a word from the Lord through his prophet comes to King David, a young ruler, only the second king of of Israel. Remember the The first king, Saul, was a wicked king and was removed from the throne. And God anointed David to assume the throne. And here the prophet speaks a word from the Lord to David and says, David, uh, your descendants will always be on the throne. Your kingdom is going to last for forever and ever. And like many of the Old Testament prophecies, I think there are a couple layers of fulfillment here. For indeed... David did have a son, Solomon, who assumed the throne after him. One who built a temple, a house for the name of the Lord. But as time passed, as his people began to grow and become rebellious, things changed. Pagan armies came in and defeated the nation of Israel, took away plunder and took many of the nation into captivity. The the Davidic throne fell. And in the midst of this, had God been unfaithful to His promises? Would His promises be fulfilled? And with the passing of time, it was learned through the prophets that there would be another son of David. There would be another one who would come, a Messiah who would be the Savior who redeems God's people, a ruler who would rule over the nations. And here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, blind Bart speaks up and he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, he says, Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. He is the Son of David. He is the Messiah. And the Messiah, Jesus, turns and he cares 
for this man and he calls him to follow him. Indeed, the Messiah cares for and calls all to follow him. Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, he is one who cares for and calls all to come and follow him. The Messiah is here. The time has come. He's, he's been here in this story for a little while, but, but up until now, his identity has been somewhat concealed. In fact, he's even instructed his disciples from time to time not to declare his identity publicly for his time had not yet come. Now his time has come. The event that God planned before the creation of the world is about to unfold. The event that will alter the, whole, the course of human history that will forever change countless eternal destinies is now going to happen. There is no more time for secrets. This is God's time to save. And He will save, paying the ransom for many. Paying the ransom for many. You see, social status does not determine suitability for Christ's kingdom. Social status does not determine suitability for Christ's kingdom. For here is Jesus proclaiming that The Messiah not only comes for the rich and the prominent, He also comes for the poor, for the blind, for the beggar. He comes for all. Like a stoplight on a morning commute, the crowds understand Bartimaeus' request to be an interruption. He's a social outcast. He is socially insignificant, and yet Jesus once again reveals that the values of His kingdom are not the values of the world. He declares that He has come to engage both the rich young ruler and the blind beggar. Messiah cares for and calls all to follow Him. So when it comes to your spiritual condition, when it comes to my spiritual condition, let's not trust our heritage or our position. Do not trust your heritage or your Position. Montague, Capulet, Jones, Vaughn, German, these things don't matter. These things do not save us. Jesus, in essence, says it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what you have. Come follow me. You need me. The cross is for you. The Messiah cares for and calls all to follow him. Listen to these piercing words from God through the Apostle Paul recorded in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and following. Paul writes, under the guidance of the Spirit to the church, the church in Ephesus, characterized by both Jews and Gentiles, characterized by both rich and poor, he writes to believers and he says this, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us, he writes, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. In other words, all of us, it doesn't matter who you are now, or where you come from, all of us at one time who are now believers and followers of Jesus were at one time unbelievers, dead in our sins, deserving of the wrath of God. 
Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. In other words, the scriptures declare that apart from Jesus, all of us stand condemned. But by the cross, all of us have life. Life in Him. God saves. And He saves all types of folk. So let's resist attempts to judge the suitability of others. Let's not trust in our own position or heritage. And likewise, let's resist attempts to judge the suitability of anyone else for hearing or responding to the message of the gospel. Here are the crowds and perhaps even His disciples. Judge the suitability of this beggar, seeing him as an interruption, Jesus comes saying, there are no likely candidates to respond to this message. Remember, Jesus told a story in Mark's gospel, a parable recorded in chapter 4, the parable of the sower. And in that story, he said in verse 3 of chapter 4, listen, a farmer went out to sow some seed. And he goes on and he explains what happened. Then he gives... An interpretation of this story. He says the farmer is the one who proclaims the message of God, the message of the gospel. The seed stands for the message and the soil stands for different types of responses to the gospel. Which for the hearts of of different types of, of listeners, hearers of this particular message. And in this parable, Jesus doesn't say first test the soil. Doesn't say get out your tools and contraptions and test the pH and see if the conditions are good. No, he says scatter the seed. There are no likely candidates to respond to the message of the gospel. There are none deserving to be part of Christ's kingdom. So let's resist attempts to judge the suitability of others. Interestingly, in Mark's gospel, this is the last recorded healing miracle For Mark, there's still six chapters left in this story. And the last recorded healing miracle suggesting that the focus is about to shift elsewhere. That there's something else that Jesus is going to do. He is on his way to the cross to heal souls. You see, Jesus is most interested in our spiritual salvation. He is most interested in our spiritual salvation. Jesus comes and certainly does display care and compassion on the hurting. He comes and he cares for and is compassionate on Bart. But as we've seen before, this is not the primary reason that Jesus came. If this was the extent of his ministry, if he simply came to heal those who are hurting physically, then we would look back and perhaps applaud his valiant effort, but we would have to conclude that he failed to fulfill that endeavor. For many blind are still blind. Mute are still mute. Deaf are still deaf. The lame are still lame. Many of the sick continue to grow sicker. Jesus had a different perspective in mind. He had a different mission in mind. And here, Bart 
looks to Jesus and displays faith in Jesus. He says in verse 50, uh, he says, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus responds with the same question that he responds to his close friends James and John with at their request back in verse 36. Verse 36 and now verse 51, same question. Jesus says, what, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I want to see, he says. Help me see. I, I want to see. And Jesus, in essence, responds and says, you will see. You will see because you are already seeing who it is who can heal you. You are already seeing who it is that saves eyes to see and ears to hear the truth. And church, church, like this blind beggar, we too need to see Jesus. We need to see Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? Can you see Jesus? Are you seeing Jesus? See the plan of God unfolding through His written Word. See Jesus on the cross for you and for me. See the sacrifice of Jesus as He lays down His life so that you can have life and salvation, healing in Him. See Jesus and trust Jesus. Trust Him. Here, Bart displays trust in Jesus, faith in Jesus. And truth be told, we don't really know what becomes of this man. But I like to think that he also gained spiritual sight that day as well. The kind of sight that we sing about in our beloved hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. See, the word that's translated heal here in the text of God's word, when Jesus said, verse 52, go, your faith has healed you, is also the word for save. Go, Jesus says, your faith has, has saved you. Immediately, he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Or, in other translations, he followed Jesus on the way. On the way. Same phrase that Jesus has used multiple times in this portion of the gospel to emphasize the way of the cross, the way of discipleship, the way of knowing and following him. Key words, follow and way when it comes to discipleship. Bart follows him. You see, the Messiah cares for and calls all to follow him. Scriptures say it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of, of God. God's grace. Our salvation. Applied to our lives, to our hearts, by faith in Jesus and what He has accomplished for us. Church, as we've been journeying through Mark's gospel, I hope that we are seeing that Mark carefully calculates his words. That he is intentional about what he is saying. That like other gospel writers, he is writing to shape our faith. 
to shape our faith and to encourage us to follow Jesus. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels should shape our faith and encourage us to follow Jesus. You see, with this story, Act 2 of Mark's Gospel is coming to an end. In Act 2 that begins in mid-chapter 8, Jesus has declared three times to His disciples what is going to happen, that He is going to suffer and die. And each time then He follows up and teaches them about the true nature of what it means to follow Him. Encapsulating these conversations like bookends are two stories of healing a blind man. Certainly should cause us to pause and Respect the power and authority of Jesus to heal the blind. But what is being communicated is much richer than that. For Jesus is declaring, Mark is declaring that all who want to know and follow Jesus must see Jesus, must have spiritual sight in Him. Eyes to see and ears to hear the truth. You see, soon the twelve would understand where Jesus is going. Soon they would recognize what His kingdom is all about. Soon they would see Him in all His glory. Church, may we join them and countless Christians throughout the ages and be shaped by the message of the gospel, be shaped by stories like Jesus healing Bartimaeus and others. And calling them to follow Him. For we are God's handiwork. Ephesians 2.10 We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. A life that overflows from the gospel of Jesus. A life that's been gripped by the grace of Christ. That seeks to live for Him. And for His glory. So church, may we live for Him now and forevermore. As we join blind Bart in expressing our faith in Jesus. Express your faith in Christ. Let's express our faith in Christ. Let's read His story and other stories of the gospel. And be encouraged to live for and follow Jesus Christ the Son of God, the Messiah and Savior of the world. You see, my name is not written in the book, this book. But because I've trusted in Jesus, my name is written in another book, His book. I'm one of His. Have you trusted Jesus? Are you trusting Jesus? Do you see Jesus? Are you longing for His return? your life characterized by love and joy and peace and patience and other fruit of the Spirit that overflow from walking with Jesus Christ? Are you gathering consistently with God's people to declare His praises? Are you sharing this message of grace with all you encounter? Let's express our faith in Christ so that others might also look at our lives And be encouraged to follow Jesus. Messiah cares for and calls all to follow Him. Are you following Him? Let's pray. Father, we...
pray that we would be faithful followers of Jesus. We pray that we would be gripped with the truths of your word. We pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth. Father, we pray that we would recognize your grace and your mercy in our lives and respond accordingly. Father, we thank you for the gift of the cross. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for the joy that you give us as your people, knowing that we are right with you. Father, help us to sing out of the overflow of our hearts. Help us to respond to you in a way that glorifies the name and renown of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if there are those among us gathered today who do not follow Jesus, that they would come to know and follow Jesus today. Lord, help us to follow you and follow you well. Help us to trust you day by day according to your riches and grace. Lead us now as we respond to the truth of your word. Be glorified in us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.